Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. If you are making people happy, as a side effect, they will be happy to open their wallets and pay you. And that's a quote by Derek Sievers. So welcome again to The Profitable Photographer. I am super excited to introduce you to Jessica Robertson. And before I do, I'd like to invite you to download my ebook if you haven't already. 10 Big Ideas for Marketing in the Real World. You just go to Lucy Dumas Coaching and you'll see a button. <laughs> I have to, I like to say the word button and mountain just for fun. So anyway, there we go. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's near the end of the week. So I think I'm getting a little silly. Uh, and, and that's it. And if you want to join my community, you can like the Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas page and join my private group, the Profitable Photographer. And that's it. Okay. So the lovely Jessica Robertson is a PPA master craftsman. She has her CPP and check out the Professional Photographers of America and join and you'll be able to reach for those goals and you'll be able to reach for those goals as well she also has an art degree with a concentration in photography from guilford college and that is rare that people actually have studied art and photography in this industry so that's awesome she has been in this industry for over 20 years and is in richmond virginia with a 3,000 square foot retail space in Ashland. So I assume Ashland, Jessica, is a neighborhood of Richmond? It is, it's just north, about 15 miles. Ah, and she has a great team, Robin and Karen, and she personally photographs high school seniors, maybe college seniors as well, and they do family portraits as well. And she's also a teacher and mentor on both the topic of senior photography and profitability in any portrait niche, which of course we love at The Profitable Photographer. So Jessica, welcome. I'm so excited to chat with you today. I am so excited as well. I feel like so much of what you do aligns so very much with uh, my philosophy on photography and being a professional photographer that is actually pro profitable and that you can support your family and the beautiful life that you want to have. So how do you think we align? Well, I think that many people may be in this industry just because it's something fun. Um, but I think in the sense that um, you approach something as an art form that has value and that it should be treated as such um, very much so speaks to my, my heart. Um, and I do feel very grateful that uh, over all these years, I've been able to support my family and, um, and plan for our future. You know, I think that that's really important as well. Uh, not that you're just paying for the now, but you're planning for the future and your retirement and the life goals that you want to achieve can be achievable through the art of photography. 
Well said. And I was excited to learn that she regularly listens to this podcast. So that's how she knows my philosophy uh, because this is our first time officially meeting. So that's and we've got some really good mutual friends now that I started kind of digging in you know, <laughs> yeah. a lot of people in common, which is great. A lot of people you've had on your podcast as well. Yes. I love when I'm, somebody is recommending, oh, have Jessica Roberts on your show. She'll be great. And then I look and we've got like 5 million mutual friends and half of right. them have already been on the show. Yeah. Right. The universe says we're supposed to be friends. Exactly. <laughs> yes. I, oh, I can't wait for PPA convention. So that people like you that I've met through the podcast that I'm guessing will attend. uh, Definitely. Yes. We can hang out and hug and all that good stuff. I can't wait. Yes. Real life interaction. What an amazing thing. And not just through Zoom, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, do you have a little quick background of how you got started? I know you actually studied photography, but. Uh, you know, we all come from somewhere. We don't just right. hatch as a full successful photographer. So what's, what's a little of your story? Right. So short and skinny of my story, I was pre-med at Guilford College and I had one more class to finish my biology degree when I had done two internships and realized that that was not the path that I wanted for my life. That's not what I wanted every day to be like. Uh, And so my dad encouraged me to drop my fourth semester of organic chemistry and take a class that I just wanted to take. And so I took a photography class and I fell in love. I went to London, did two internships there with Daily Mail and Reuters. Mm. I graduated from college and I had absolutely no idea how I was going to take something that I loved so much and actually be able to have an income. And so I taught uh, biology for uh, three years and photography for two years at the high school level while I built my business on the side. And then in 2005, after operating a home studio for a very short period of time, and I realized that just was not going to work for me long-term, I opened a retail space in Ashland, Virginia in uh, 2005, as I mentioned. And Uh, Fortunately, we grew and um, moved into another studio. Uh, Along the way, I photographed weddings and babies and families and children and dogs and architecture, anything that you would pay me to do. And then gradually, as I think many of us do that have the um, blessing of being able to stay in this industry, really narrowed it down. I love photographing high school seniors and families. So that is primarily what we do. And I, as I mentioned before, as you mentioned, actually, uh, I have a fabulous team that supports me, Robin and Karen. Robin's been with me for about 12 years, Karen for about eight. And so that is really such a core component to our success that I'm able to do and concentrate on photography um, and some of the back-end things while they're definitely supporting me in sales and editing and design work. That's amazing that you started out uh, intending to do something and studied for it and then realized this is not what I want to do. And what I love about that story is that it's important to listen to what our heart says. I'm guessing you would agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that when you talk to most photographers, it is so incredibly scary to leave something that is seemingly very stable, maybe unfulfilling, and to take that leap. And sometimes that can be in various steps along the way. But 
it, I think it's very relatable in our industry to at some point you get to that place where you can't do both and do both well. And that that leap is necessary, obviously calculated and potentially you know, prepared for financially, but at some point that leap has to happen. Yeah, there's, I was trying to find this quote. There's some quote about at some point, the pain of remaining small was mm-hmm. greater than growing or something. Right. Um, yeah. It does sound familiar. Yes. And it's true, right? Yeah. It's staying in that same place and staying stagnant. Um, and then there is that leap of faith that happens. Um, obviously, there can be preparedness in terms of your business plan and and a cushion there, but that self-belief and that willingness to work hard and to give to your community and to be a part of it and have that faith that, that your community will support you in the end and that you are you are providing something that has worth and value and that others are able to see that and invest in that. That is just such a beautiful thing when all that can culminate mm-hmm. and come together um, in this in this life that you have, you know? Totally agree. One of the things I'm actually grateful for, um, and she told me I would be grateful for it, is that I had a little business working in the San Diego airport, exchanging currency and selling um, travel insurance. And we had a big recession and I had a certain guarantee from the company, a draw, and they wanted to reduce it. And by that time I was used to a certain income and, mm-hmm. and also I'd gotten so into photography that I wasn't really focusing on the business. And I basically got fired. You know, they canceled my contract mm-hmm. and the, the woman that she'd taken me to dinner flew down from, I don't know, maybe LA. And she said, Lucy, this is going to be the best thing that ever happened to you. Mm, I love and that. I don't know if she was planting an intention or she had a crystal ball, <laughs> but I feel lucky that I had to build this or go get a job. Right. Um, I think it's much harder if we already have a good career or we have a spouse that mm-hmm. is, you know, making it enough of a good living that our needs are met. Now, um, I think that that is a blessing and a curse. I will tell you that. Because I feel like sometimes having that other person you can depend on hurts you in the sense that you don't have that fire under your booty. You know, you don't have that desire. Like I like to eat and I like my roof. Therefore tonight I could turn on the TV and just, you know, veg out, or I could sit down and do two hours worth of planning for my business that will ultimately pay dividends. And so I think that, you know, having that comfort of having somebody else to support you if something doesn't work out, or if you don't make this the right amount of money that month, I, I think it's a blessing and a curse. I really do. Cause I think that that's been a lot of my motivation. I didn't have, um, anything to fall back on. You know, I wasn't married when I started. Um, I was, uh, I had a significant, um, relationship with my uh, now husband, but, um, we were both teachers and so we weren't swimming in money. Mm-hmm. And so, it's interesting how I think that for some that can be a blessing and a curse, you know? Right. And that that was my point is for me, I didn't have a choice and I'm grateful Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. that. And I'm not sure it's always challenged when I'm coaching to help people get super motivated when Mm -hmm. they know that all the basics are covered. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have any tips? Because I know you support 
photographers you teach and coach and so forth. Um, how would you push past if you did not need the money and or you were busy, how would you incentivize yourself? How would you motivate yourself to do the work? Because it is work of building the big dream. Do you have thoughts on that? Um, I do. I think that the, the easy part in our business, no matter if you have a support or something to fall back on or not, the easy part is when you're already with that client and when you're photographing, right? That is the ultimate pinnacle of like what we get to do every day, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, I know a lot of people enjoy that post-production. I do not. I love the human interaction. I love being with the person, um, seeing who they are, creating images that are a true reflection and it will be memories for a lifetime. That's the easy part. Mm -hmm. I think we get stuck in the stuff we don't like. I don't like processing. I don't like editing. I don't like checking in orders. <laughs> and so for me, it was my goal to stop having to do those things that I didn't enjoy to the extent that I really enjoy the good stuff, the photography. Mm. So for me, it was always a goal to say, okay, how much do I have to work in order to make sure I have enough um, income to quantify having um, an employee? Because I started out, you know, by myself. And then so it was, okay, I have one employee. And then it got to be too much. You know, it was like, oh, I'm asking too much of this one employee. There's things that she doesn't like doing. Okay, so we're going to have to get another employee. What does that look like? What um, areas would we like filled? What are those gaps that Robin doesn't like doing and that I don't like doing? So I think that those were the steps for me that motivated me to go, I don't want to do the things I don't like to do. Because mm. everybody has them. You know, everybody has things of their business, I would think, with all the hats that we wear, you know, right. there's things. And, and it could be even as simple as I don't want to clean, you know, my studio space. I want to have somebody come in and clean the studio before, um, before I get ready to start shooting. Mm -hmm. So, or it could be sales. Sales could be really scary and it's not something that you want to actually do. So you want somebody else to sell. And I think that that's an, an important part for me is having someone else sell uh, the photography that I create that I don't actually do that myself. I know other people that are highly successful at selling their own work. So whatever those things are, filling those, those areas, those gaps of, um, that create this unhappiness, I think is really motivating. I, oh my gosh, I wish years ago I'd had that that uh, awareness because one of my challenges has always been building a team. I, I know that what held me back in photography and admittedly in my coaching from being more visible and drawing like with photography, drawing more of my ideal clients is all the do it myself mm -hmm. energy. And that thought of, okay, how hard do I have to work so I can pay someone to do this stuff I don't want to do? Right. Uh, I love it. That's great. Oh, okay. good. So well, I have I wanna... plenty of mistakes along the way. And that yeah. is, I think really, and I know you've had somebody actually recently on and talking about learning from the mistakes. And I think that, I think that that's an important place to come from. And I think that's one of the gifts of this podcast, uh, which is, I'm not telling you what to do or how to do it. I'm just telling you, these are the things that I did that I wish I had changed earlier Yes. so that I could have been more profitable faster. Yep. So a couple of tips, I think with like how to motivate ourselves, if, if we know that all the lights and the food and the clothing somehow are all covered, mm -hmm. I think reading motivational books, 
uh, journaling, having set goals, of course, having a coach, mentor, education, uh, going to to conventions, going to things like West Coast School and Texas School. Mm-hmm. My um, interview just before you, we talked about that quite a bit because Rick Farrow teaches a lot at schools right. and conventions and so forth. But, um, you know, if we have a goal and a dream, we need to be marinated in that dream and the tools for success. And I, I feel like then it, it kind of not really accidentally happens, but <laughs> very motivating. So, right. And there's very few industries that there's not some aspect of mentoring that takes place. Uh, in the job place or even outside of the industry. Uh, and, and certainly there's ample opportunity in our industry for education. The question is, are you receiving your education? Someone is qualified. Ooh. And I think that that's a really interesting question because there's a lot of ed- education going on right now. And whatever you're consuming or bringing in and applying to your business, I think we have to put it through a fear of as, A, is that person I want to be? Mm-hmm. And B, does that align with the brand and the business that I'm trying to create? Right. And a lot of times we'll someone that we perceive as successful uh, and and hopefully they are, you know, and that they're being honest in, in what they've done in their past and that 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 is actually something that's viable because sometimes I think I'm like, ah, how is that viable? Like right. the hours that go into that, I feel like it's not a viable business practice. So I think it is important to make sure that we don't just take each teacher's words as gospel, but that there has to be a level of filtration that takes place. Um, and I do believe every class that I sit in, I get nuggets and I fit 20 plus years of sitting in classes still each time I signed up for a local class this coming Monday because I want to learn, I want to grow and be better for my clients. And just as a, as a person and as a photographer, I want to deliver the very best I can. So yes, I totally agree. And I even go to some classes over and over and over again with the same teachers, Mm -hmm. Kelly, Tim. Yeah. Anytime, any convention that he's speaking, I'm in that yes. seat. And same yeah. with Bruce Hudson. Uh, he's just yes. been over the decades, just such a great teacher. So yes. yes. And um, and I was with Tim Walden a couple of weeks ago and I've seen him, he can't tell you how many times. And I was like giddy because I was getting to speak after him. And I'm, I just <sighs> think he is so wonderful and great representation of not being stagnant and shifting and changing and perfecting your craft. Like, wow, just the epitome there. Yes. Okay. We need to get into some meat here, but I, I hope that that, um, supports people. That is super good lead in. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and just one little, one little thing about outsourcing, uh, even something as simple as housework is I sit down and I help people, uh, coaching clients with their one-year, three-year, five-year goals. And so you figure out Mm -hmm. how much you want and need in a year. And then we break that down into what does that equate to per hour of your time? Mm -hmm. And 
it's always at least 75 to three, $400 an hour. And so I would much rather pay someone to clean my house or do my yard or uh, one, of, one of my friends, Sterling Hoffman, just spent mm-hmm. half an afternoon building an Ikea desk that he could have just purchased or paid them <laughs> a couple hundred dollars to assemble. And his time is probably worth a thousand dollars an hour. So that was a very expensive desk. <laughs> so, and he very, didn't seem yes, to enjoy one it. from Ikea. <laughs> yeah. He didn't seem to be like, oh, I'm going to do this for fun. So anyway, time is money, right? Absolutely. Yes. yes. Okay. Senior portraits. That we haven't talked about seniors on a on the show in a while. So first of all, why do you love them? And then I want to get into like some tips and ideas for building a successful senior portrait business. But why seniors for you? It's interesting. Uh I didn't really analyze how that happened uh, until the last the last five years. Because again, like I said, I was doing anything and everything. Um, obviously, legal event would would come in my door because I just loved people. And at that time, I didn't realize what I really um, was drawn to was this age group. And so for me, uh, there's a variety of things that kind of pointed to that. One while I love babies and I love my own children, the unpredictability, uh, and even though there's specific ways to go about photographing them, I have major respect for photographers. It wasn't really where my heart was, right? Mm-hmm. Because I really loved interacting with people and I didn't get that interaction with the baby. So that helped to kind of slide that genre out. I did weddings for, you know, over 15 years and I love the people and the interaction and the creativity that could go into the day, the spontaneity. That's all really fun. I hated that it took my weekends. I hated the anxiety that it would create if something went wrong. I ultimately in having children, I hated the idea of being away from them or missing something on the weekend. And so that kind of eliminated that section. Um, And so I think I was naturally drawn to that age bracket because uh, in life, that was kind of a challenging time, um, as I think it is for a lot of people, Um, you know, a lot that wasn't under my control. And so one of the gifts, one of the things I just really, really, really feeds my entire being is getting to interact with a senior, sit down with them, figure out who they are, celebrate who they are, and then turning that camera and allowing them to see their own beauty and what others see in them daily, but that they're not always able and capable of seeing in themselves. And so that just motivates me like crazy to help someone feel some self-worth and to celebrate. And I think that as a society, we've made it like a bad thing to celebrate your own beauty. Um, and it's also not just your physical. I hundred percent get that. It can be your athletic interests. It can be your academic interests. It can be your love to have for your dog. It's so simple and yet so very special. 
take the time just to really see and be with that one person. So mm-hmm. it did happen quite organically, but also um, just like it does with the tasks in the studio. I think that naturally kind of came into that place of senior photography um, because I gravitate towards that age and it is such a an amazing time of being off into this world. And it also helps to restore your hope because these kids are doing such amazing things. They're inspiring me with how they give and how they, uh, how they enter others and the clubs and groups and just the wonderful things they're doing. So it really does. I think mentally it puts me in such a great place being with these, these people. Yeah. You have me wanting to start a senior program and go market seniors. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> so when I was hot and heavy with my children's business, because that what I love about children is that spontaneity. Um, huh. And then as as my business grew and I matured, and I used to think senior portraits were boring because people weren't that were doing it back in back in my day. Uh, we're just sitting kids in front of backgrounds and right turn right turn left mm-hmm. look here uh lean you know lean on your chin lean your chin on your hand <laughs> but remembering right. the 10 my, poses and then the next person comes to the door yes yeah. but my senior portrait session was only 15 minutes and was exactly that but everything you just said is what it did for me even just that the the photographer was like, gosh, you're really easy. You're, you're very photogenic. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm really enjoying this. Mm-hmm. It wasn't flirting, you know, it was very appropriate, but I, right, right. I grew up with more acknowledgement of achievement and did not really get mm-hmm. acknowledgement from like parents for being beautiful or cute or, you know, mm-hmm. just that wasn't. So I, it was really like almost the first feedback that I had about being, you know, in the pictures themselves, I could see something in myself that he captured. Mm -hmm. So I I love, love I love that. And that you're actually launching these newly hatched adults (laughs) into the world Mm -hmm. with a stronger foundation about who they are. So good for you. Right. And, and I think else. it's challenging right now, especially, you know, with oh, so much influence in social media and all the influencers and what you're supposed to be, you know, it used to just be, we'd look in magazines uh, and be like, Oh, I wish I looked like that. Right. right. But now it's just this constant bombardment of beauty and our society saying what that, what that looks like. So I think changing that narrative of you know, beauty is within every single person and it. And I find it more amazing you know, to get the images of someone who maybe isn't the girl that you thought was the most beautiful mm-hmm. and then to pull that out in them. And, and that's one of the greatest acknowledgements I think I can get is when people go, oh my gosh, I saw those images that you made of such and such. She looked so beautiful. And then my response always is, well, she is so beautiful. And so I, having that skill set, I think is really important to say, if I light the face this way, I can slim it, or I can make a book broader if I do this. And I, I think making sure that you have a skill set to provide that opportunity for someone is really important too, when you're working with that, that age and that demographic. Right. So do you know uh, any particular people that are teaching 
facial analysis and how to do those kinds of things. There used to be a San Diego guy that Joe Butts that would teach facial analysis. Is that, do you know anybody particularly that teaches mm-hmm. those kind of things? Um, I teach a class. I teach a class called Not Every Client's a Supermodel. Oh, and uh, I, that was not it's a... a lot of humor and fun. And uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> that was not a plug. I know. I know. Yeah. I, I didn't, I had never told you that. And I've only taught it um, one time. I taught it at Shutterfest. Uh, and then I was supposed to teach it again this year. And then I think I'm going to be teaching it at Glitch uh, in November. And it's not just facial analysis, analysis. It's, you know, hand placement and you know, body movements and using other objects and how you can most flatter someone's face. Yes. You know, obviously someone's eye is one's eye is smaller than the other, you know, those kinds of things too. So very detailed and then to a broader spectrum of full body um, imagery. So mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, and posing, I think is one of the challenges when you first start because guiding people uh, to best represent body or their shape uh, is, is really a craft and a soul takes time. Mm-hmm. And, and that ability to yeah. see it, it grows like a muscle in our brain mm-hmm. as we keep doing it. Mm-hmm. I work on a tripod so that I can see and mm-hmm. analyze and interact with people to watch how expressions change and look for that moment when everything falls together and their face as humans for some reason an oval face mm-hmm. is in like our reptilian brain beauty it's mm-hmm. it, it just is and so mm-hmm. our our task our craft is to and even features so yeah that's a a skill i'm sure there's youtube videos and probably a lot of other resources on that but um Mm -hmm. yeah and i there's been some um conversations now and then in facebook groups where someone will say hey my client is kind of big and she wanted me to retouch her so that she looked slimmer and I think she should just love herself Mm -hmm. the way she is and (laughs) and I'm always like well I can look honestly like 400 pounds super slim depending on how someone poses me Mm -hmm. that's our job Mm -hmm. pre you know Mm -hmm. liquefy um Right. In the camera. Did you shift her hips? Did you, yeah. Break it up with her, her, her yeah. arm or her. If you yeah. broad light me with my head turned a certain way, I look right. like the Hulk. And if right. you short light with my right. head turned, then I look right. like myself to me. So. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I love that. Okay. So we know why senior portrait. So can you share some, some tips, maybe four or five tips for successful, I mean, it's up to you, either the photography or the business of senior portraits. Sure. And I actually would love to kind of sit in the business uh, side of things. Okay. Uh, I very rarely find that photographers are failing because of their photography, but really not as successful as they would like, mostly because of their business. And what better than to use myself as an example <laughs> of the things that I've done um, well, but maybe more so the things that I 
wish I had changed earlier on. And for me with high school seniors, and even with any genre, quite frankly, um, I kind of hit a little plateau uh, in 2019. I had always had kind of a good upward momentum, good trajectory each year of movement. And I hit a little bit of a plateau in 18 and 19. And then I was hearing these rumblings of, oh my goodness, senior photography is over as we know it. You know, mm-hmm. everybody has a Canon iPhone and everybody's a photographer and, and people were saying how their businesses were changing. And so rather than kind of blaming what was going on in the world, uh, in 2019, I sat down with my team and, uh, and even myself, I spent a lot of time looking at every single aspect of our business and mm-hmm. We literally made lists of what are we doing well and where can we improve and really breaking down uh, our process and looking at a client experience from a client's perspective. And then we took a look at our photography and said, where do we get frustrated in our sales process? And we needed to find solutions. So meaning this happened actually about five years ago when we did an analysis, but I said, gosh, I am creating some images that I really love of these kids that are athletes. But then when I see the sales, I'm only seeing that they're buying a few of their sports images. And I was so frustrated. I was like, I'm spending all this time. And I'm like, Robin, did they not like their sports? Oh my gosh, no, they love them. And so there was a disconnect there. So when we asked ourselves, are we maximizing our sales and fulfilling the client need? The answer was ultimately no. And that's when we introduced our sports composites. And Mm. these are not like sports composites. Like you see, like Ben Shirk, Dan Freevault, not like that. They're very simple. They're very clean. They're in line with our brand. The compositing aspect is basically that we just put six images together on a 10 by 30 composite with a simple stroke around them, as if you would do a layout for a yearbook. Oh, I was yearbook editor. So I think of it like a yearbook spread, you know, with a stroke and pictures. Exactly. Yes, yeah. exactly. It was like you have a senior album, right? So it'd just be one spread mm-hmm. and it was super simple. It didn't take us long. We would pre-design them, throw a few of their favorite images in, and it was an ease out. And you think, well, just, you know, one additional item. Well, that one additional item changed our income so significantly. I thought to myself, huh, if that just significant impact. So like 75% of our seniors include sports photography. So if you imagine, even if we were only selling two thirds of those and at an average price of $600 senior, you can see how that significantly affected our ultimate end result. Right. If you do a hundred, that's $60,000 extra. Am I doing the math right? Yes. It's a lot, right? Yeah. You do 200 a year. If only 200 added that or a hundred added that only half, that's an extra $60,000 with your cost of goods being like 40 bucks. And then you can sell them. Yeah. You can sell them a frame as well. And so that adds another couple hundred dollars in profit. And yeah. Okay. So if I can break so, that down. So, so, so with that mindset, one, step one is looking at what you're doing well and breaking down your process. And then 
two is looking at ways you can improve, like looking at the frustrations and how you can improve. Right. Well, even saying, do you have a, I mean, as simple as you can put it, do you have a product that matches the images you're creating? Mm. And so even if you're a baby photographer, go hit the series of images. So that would look great in a clutter. And because these are all more high key images, but then you decide I'm going to make a low key image that you can't put with those high key images. It just wouldn't good. You have to have a special piece for that. And so for us in the senior industry, that was for example, a lot of our clients bring in a prom dress. Well, if you've got this elegant image of a girl in a prom dress, you would not want to put that with the casual ripped series of images. Right. So we were failing in not having a product to match the images we were creating. Ah. So I think one of the things that we, we do now yearly, but at this point, this was in 2019, as we said, if we're not maximizing our sales, because I had come to that place, I'm like, I do believe our sales high. We already have a really good sales average, but how can they be higher? How can I maximize them? How can I push it? In that prom dress example, we needed to find a product that was unique, that our clients, they saw what there was a wow factor. Quite frankly, it's an item they didn't even know they wanted before they came in. And then it's my job to educate them and say, do you see why this art piece? And for us, it's a, a hand-torn watercolor that is float framed mm. um, and matted and it's beautiful. And clients would not come in originally go, you know what I should do? I want you to put that in a 16 by 24 float mounted. It's just not something they do. Mm-hmm. And I, I educate our clients a lot about substrate do you see that soft watercolor paper do you see how it marries so nicely with the softness of her prom dress that soft lighting that's on her and so we as ex i think should be asserting ourselves and saying this is what you should do with the imagery that i've created this Mm -hmm. is what would best flatter that image and that's not salesy no i think that we get so scared of coming off as salesy, we don't educate our client and we don't fully provide an opportunity to fully utilize the images that are being created. Right. Uh, being the trusted advisor, that's that's the core yes. of my teaching is that we get in that position where they lean into our leadership. So then we can guide them and say, this is the perfect a product for this particular thing. And um, then they just kind of go, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Same with like brides when I did weddings, which I still do a few now and then, but I include an Mm -hmm. engagement session uh, and they, it's included in the, in the package, but they prepay a certain amount towards photographs. And I say, you know, the perfect thing to do with this is to get mm-hmm. at least one wall portrait you bring to the wedding and a little memory book that you can have forever celebrating mm-hmm. just the two of you without wedding clothes. Uh, I don't think I said quite like that. And then I tell them, and don't take this out of your wedding budget <laughs> and because they already trust me. Most of the people that say yes to the engagement session 
get a book and get at least one wall portrait. And it's several thousand dollars on up. The last couple were like $6,000 for the engagement session. So what I hear you saying is when we become the expert and we think about what could be the perfect use for some photographs and then offer that, that bumps your sales up and also provide something wonderful for them that they didn't even know they want. Am I summarizing that? Absolutely. And you know, yeah, no, I, I, I did. I did. I did. I mean, I just completely agree with that. And I think um, really, no matter what genre you're in making that the imagery you're creating has a purpose in an imprinted product. And, um, I said, that is a constant self-evaluation. So, you know, you being in California, you may have modern clientele, you know, they may really love the idea of metals or acrylics or things that are more modern. And then in, in Virginia, while I do some modern clients, I have more clients that are definitely on the conservative end. So where you want to come in the world, I know you've got a broader audience, make sure that, that the offerings have not only match the imagery that you're creating, but the homes that you're putting in. Mm -hmm. And I think your finger on the pulse of your audience is equally as important to make sure that matches uh, just as well your brand, but also your uh, target audience. I like that. So one thing that I am sure you agree with this is you want to make sure that if you come up with a product, there's profit in it. So like most definitely. <laughs> so like, it might be really natural to say, oh, those little mini accordion wallet books where you get three for $25. Yeah. Those are perfect for baby photographer clients, but it's very hard to make any money on those unless they're a bonus or a purchase with purchase. And also that they're not hurting your sales. Um, a friend of mine switched from selling more individual to she really loved the collage idea uh, of several photographs in one on one print. And I think she most likely lost some sales of those individually. So it mm -hmm. might not have been financially as good of an idea. Now she loves it. She loves selling it. And maybe she wasn't selling three to seven big portraits to every client anyway. Maybe she was doing one big super one and didn't know what to do with some of the other fun ones. But yeah, always, always uh, have that in mind. Is this actually going to help my bottom line? So, okay. Right. Um, There's perceived value there too. Cause you know, I know a lot of people will try and do, Hey, how much am I going to charge for this? And it's based upon the product price. That's very, in my opinion, you know, kind of dangerous to do purely on what the cost is from the lab, because that's negligible. That is not something for me. I want it to be, you know, that balance of science, uh, how much the desire is for that is, does that product have? And then, uh, is that desire um, such that you can put a premium price on it? Where does it fall in your add-on product? Because a lot of maybe add-on items may not have the same uh, markup 
because you have your base, your core, and you're adding your items. Mm-hmm. And you know, for us, our goal, over 50% of our clients purchase some kind of their grouping, whether that's for to send images together. And while we do offer composites of casual images, ultimately our clients want them to be individual pieces so that they can then in years to come, adjust the position, move them into different places, add their children, have that flexibility. So our goal every time is to sell some kind of cluster grouping, some kind of an album, and some kind of an art piece. Mm-hmm. So if you establish, these are my goals, right? And obviously the small prints, the difference, eight by tens, five by sevens are in that collection anyway. But if that, well, those are our three things, I think there should be some kind of incentivization that you create in your pricing structure that says, if you do these three things, then, and that determination can be you know, up to the individual. I mean, it could be a percentage off that you uh, incentivize. It could be that if you do these three things and you also will receive this additional print item, um, you know, in the world of digital photography, uh, you know, it could be that there is a digital aspect to that. And for us, we see ourselves as print artists and our clients know that they see the value in that. And then our clients just have those digital files as well. And so that, uh, that's a, another whole interesting conversation for sure, in terms of your place for doing that. But yes, so I have found that it's really important to set goals before your sales session. So for us, our goal is we want to sell every single client some kind of cluster grouping. And the reason why we love cluster groupings, meaning images that have um, been printed and then are put together on the wall, but that are separate pieces, is the flexibility it offers our clients so that it's an, an option that grows with the client. Meaning right now they might have their first child through that we photograph. In a couple of years, second child, you can add to that grouping or over the years, you might decide I want a couple of these portraits here, but I want to put them in another place. So that gives it flexibility. So as I said, over 50% of our clients uh, do purchase some kind of cluster grouping. So that is a goal. Second goal is that we do offer some kind of an album and we have a variety of album options. And the third is we offer some kind of an art piece. And I had mentioned before about the hand-torn watercolor framed pieces, but for the guys or for images that are just more edgy, uh, we do offer a metal art piece that edge to it. It's beautiful. And that is great when you have a guy that has a truck or a really cool car or a girl mm-hmm. with a Jeep, but I love matching that substrate, that metal substrate that's within the image to the actual printed product. And again, that kind of goes back to educating, but if our clients check those three boxes, incentivize them. So if they get some kind of collection, if they get some kind of an art piece, if some kind of an album providing some kind of incentive to get them there. And we have tiered incentives. And I think that, you know, for some digital option, uh, an introduction of digital files mm. is an incentive for many people. So that when ha- someone might say, do you offer or do you sell digital files? Sounds like your answer is uh, they can be received as, uh, or I don't know, you, yes. you'd say it more masterfully, but 
they can be included or be a purchase with purchase or gift with purchase, depending on what else you order, something like that. Am I right? Is that what basically? Correct. Yes. Yeah. I think that's an exploration of individuality and what your comfort level is, right? Because it's a very controversial uh, topic. And for so long, we would reply to their question with a question, right? They would say, well, do you sell profiles? Well, what would you like to do? Or yes, we do, but only if. And so we've come to a place where if our clients just want them for social media, that's absolutely an option. If they want them for reproduction, the answer is still yes, but it's only collection with printed products. And we put a very significant price on, which is what we want our average senior sale to be, which is $5,000. We want every client to get to that $5,000 price point. So that's where our digital option comes into play. And so if you set a bar of this is the price point that I want, it doesn't have to be 5,000. It could be 10,000 if you want it, or it could be 2,000. But whatever that place is that you really want everyone to get to, I recommend putting something in that place that is very desirable. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Absolutely. I wanted to go back um, just kind of to see if I'm thinking of this correctly. So your most clients are getting a cluster group an album and is so the sports panel the sports collage is something that is then an add-on to that is that it is yeah so it mm -hmm. just bumped everything up because it's something new that because you were doing these sports photographs and they weren't selling, you came up with an item that it wasn't taking the place of something else where you were potentially Correct. losing money. It was an add-on. And I imagine if you noticed a trend, which it's important to keep track of our numbers, right? Because if you notice a downward mm -hmm. trend when you offered that, I'm guessing then you'd be rethinking that and uh, you know, finding a strategy so that it actually was that extra $60,000 in your pocket rather than losing money. Correct. And I do think that that's, a, I think that one of the hardest things to do is to make an adjustment, ah. actually say that not what I was thinking would happen from that. I need to shift and step back and see how we can make this work for us uh, financially. And the successful photographers that I know, the ones that have been in business a long time, have been willing to shift and adjust. And especially in a market like senior photography, is changing and growing uh, in the area still. Uh, I think that that's a hard thing to do. Today. You know, I've always done it this way. And if we have that mentality, we've always done it that way and we're unwilling to change. Uh, I think that that is the beginning of a downward spiral, spiral in a business. Exactly. Yes. And when there's things that you're doing and somebody like, for example, memory boxes, those are great. Mm -hmm. But to me, because I'm all about selling multiple wall portraits, I think mm -hmm. offering a memory box can potentially cut down on sales because then they think they're getting all the goodies. And so they don't need to mm -hmm. put that extra grouping a four on the wall because they could just buy the box and get them in there. So 
what I love, and I don't know if we've really talked about this on my show in 103 episodes, I think (laughs) now you're going to be 106 or something. So 105 is about the strategy, the strategy of what you sell. So thank you for, Mm -hmm. for uh, helping us think through this and um, yeah, absolutely. And what areas are most profitable for sure, you know? Right, right. Um, I had a little brainstorm idea because one of the challenges I encounter a lot with uh, my coaching clients is that they want to offer the art prints already framed. And to me, I want to offer those later so I can get that framing money in my pocket and I can sell 100%. more wall portraits. So the idea, absolutely. the idea, tell me what you think of this. And I'm sure other people are doing it, but is that when they purchase a wall portrait, they automatically get a credit towards a frame if they decide to let me frame it for them. So if they spend a thousand dollars on a wall portrait, they could have 200 to spend on frames and that frame is probably going to be six or 700. So it gets them the incentive to get back in to let me frame, but it doesn't. Um, Cause to me, if someone's comfortable spending $4,000, they'll, and everything comes framed, they'll end up ordering less art. What are your thoughts about that, Jess? I definitely think that frames should take place separate uh, and not during the portrait purchase process. So I do believe in in-person sales. I also believe in making sure they focus on the things that need to happen at the time that it needs to happen. So it's a lot easier to match an actual molding to a print. Yes. Having a tangible product. So I definitely think it should take place secondarily once the month been spent. And then at that point, I have never discounted our framing. I think that that press could definitely work. Um, I think discounting is a slippery slope sometimes. Right. Um, incentivizing them to say, I want you to do this with me is important. But if they, f- and as long as you mark up the films to the extent that covers whatever discount you're providing, I think that that's okay. Um, but I, we, our frames at a very good price point for profitability, but also that if they go somewhere else and try and have it custom framed, we're competitive. Right. So we have had people leave and go see other prices and then come back to us and go, you know, I really liked your moldings better. And I, I, I really like the one you put with it. So again, asserting us as experts and for us, we do keep things in stock. So the idea of the simplicity of our busy lives of our clients for providing a, a service have to have anyway, and they don't have to wait for it, that helps people pull the trigger faster. Right. And I recognize that everyone can't keep stock frames. I totally get that. But even if you do have the corners and some things you can show, I think it's still an easier sale than having them have to go somewhere else that you've asserted yourself as that expert and providing that finished product. People want a finished right. product right. for sure. Right. So Jessica, the, the, um, cause I always talk about bonuses and not discounts. So, so my thought on this is that it's a, it's a bonus 
to, it's a money that you right. can apply towards framing if you choose to let me frame. Um, right. Almost a gift. It's a My gift. gift to you. Yes. Yes. I definitely yeah. would mm-hmm. always frame it as you get this, this gift. If And mm-hmm. I also was thinking that it might be if you order like uh, not, they come pick up the art and we spend a little time maybe for giving them ideas and then they go out and they look at other people and they compare and decide to come back. Well, then it, mm-hmm. it would, to me, it'd only be valid uh, up until the point of delivery. So anyway, just, mm-hmm. I'm always thinking <laughs> of solutions. And yeah, I know. I think, I think it's great. Our clients love it when they come in. We've already put a molding on there and gone, you know, we were looking at these different moldings and we really just love the way. And we, again, educate. We love the way the golden tones in this hair. We love that silver cool tone, how it matches that black mirror, whatever it is. But then we're educating them as to why this frame is right. So even if they do go somewhere else, which we have a very high percentage of our clients that utilize our framing, at least we've educated them they're not going to be your portrait in a frame that just does not match the imagery yes. created. Oh, I have a sad story. Are you ready for a sad story? <laughs> wah, wah, wah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> One of my best friends got married and I was in the wedding, so I wasn't the photographer, but I gifted them a portrait session in this little, we used to call it fake lake, this little man-made lagoon greens, mm-hmm. fresh green willow trees, water. And she was having her home, her living room decorated with a decorator. And I offered to help her with frames. And she said, no, I'll have my decorator pick. So when I went to their house, she's like, we're so excited. We've got that uh, portrait over the fireplace. And she picked a beautiful frame. Well, the frame matched the furniture and the drapes but it did not Uh -uh. do anything for the portrait. It was busy. The mat was like painted flowers, but not in the right colors. And it was a sad, sad story that it, it just didn't go. So I love that you have the same heart for whether we get the sale or not for helping them see what kinds of frames would bring out the best in, in the portraits. So yeah, I love that. Our- we tell our clients, we select moldings that match our imagery. Right. So you're not going to see mold in here that you would put a pastel portrait in. That's not our style of photography. Or you're not going to see, um, you know, whitewashed moldings if we're not doing beach tree. Uh, so we really want to make sure that the moldings we select really highlight the images and don't distract from the images because the art is what we want to see. Exactly. Um what framing companies do you use? Because some of the some of my tried and true didn't quite make it through the COVID uh, and just just a big change in our industry. So I'm always looking for some ideas. So we use Magnolia ah. out of um, South Carolina, and then we use uh, GW yes. uh, moldings out of Georgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are a couple. Um, and for people that use ProSelect, you can right. you can uh, both of those and other companies, you can download their catalogs and actually show how things are going to look on the on it. Um, what I feel like is 
there's so much energy that goes into the sale that then if we're trying to add the frame decisions at that point, I think it could actually upend a really great sale just from sheer overwhelm. So completely. So even if I included it, I would not have them pick it at the time. So yeah, just, I'm so glad we're on the same page with that. Um, it, it's, you know, it's a nice idea to think about everything going home dressed right for them. But I will say, you know, when I've those years up until I began coaching so that my time was kind of spread between the two businesses, 20% of my income was framing. I imagine you get a nice little bump as well in that. Yeah. We do. We do. And, you know, I, I think a lot of times we think in terms of just larger portraits and framing, but we shoot full frame. And so we provide eight by 12 frames for our clients, mm. uh, easel back or sealed and ready to hang. And when you think, oh, you've only made with the eight by 12 frame, they only profit $40, right? but you have four or six of them to sell to each client. And then that profit really builds and so it doesn't have to mean that you only sell larger frames, even providing unusual sizes is also both a service to your client and should be highlighting images that you're creating. That's a great idea. I, I love selling squares because I'm an old, mm-hmm. old Hasselblad film shooter. And yeah, I was a Bronica shooter, so I get it. Yeah. And I really like panoramas. And so people can't just pop into michael's and find a square frame or a a panorama or those eight by twelves are hard to come by so well gosh jessica i I feel like i had a thousand other things i wanted to talk about but um we probably need to do that on a different day (laughs) i I think i can i definitely hope we can yes um yeah because i think we've covered the now another time i I'd like to talk more about success, like the, the senior portrait business specifically. So mm-hmm. are there a couple of tips just in case we don't get back to that for a while about specific, sure. um, you know, we've got just a little time left. So someone's like, yeah, how do you have success in that? Because like in San Diego, different companies get the schools tied up and have contracts Mm -hmm. and things. So um, anyway, I'll stop talking. I asked you a question. I'll let you answer it. (laughs) So over the last few years, you know, we have all these different programs that are like model teams or ambassador, you know, whatever you want to call them. Um, And I talk to people throughout the country. Oh my gosh, you know, was that successful for you? And they're like, well, no. And I'm like, well, what is the goal of having these ambassadors or models or whatever you would like to call them? And ultimately, if your goal is to get more clients, then how are you going about doing that? And for me, one of the hardest things those ambassadors to do was to actually do that, advocate for us, tell their friends about us. It's an awkward and kind of challenging thing to do. But what I found was if I could get their friends to me, I could easily sell what we are offering in that experience and the, the documentation of this time of their life. So one of the most successful things that we've done over the years have been friend sessions. 
And so the model would bring five to 10 of their friends and make it so much fun. Music is playing. They get to see that I'll guide them and interact with them. And a lot of people will come in and say, I never really thought about having my senior portraits done, but this looks like such fun. So you've then created a desire for something that many times they didn't even know that they had. It's not a hard sell and you're creating a relationship. Mm -hmm. So if you can create that relationship with each person and create that desire, then it's a lot easier to build uh, your client base. So I think making sure that if you are doing something that it has the results you want and it's not, then how can you shift? So that's one area with our friend sessions, with our model program that is really successful. Uh, another, I would say in terms of if you are wanting to be perceived in your community as someone that will want to do business with, then you have to be that person. So I am not just going, everybody give to me, give to me, give to me. I am making sure I am giving to my community and being involved in my other local businesses, that I'm being advocates for them, that I'm creating cross partnerships with, and that I am not just perceived as someone who takes this very important that I am giving to the community that gives so much to me. So that's number two. Number, um, no, no, no. So that's really important to me yes. that I am perceived as someone who is involved in my community and gives to my community. Mm -hmm. And then Number three, uh, I do want to be perceived as an expert. I do want to differentiate myself from the masses of other photographers. I think that it's very easy to get caught up in saying, oh my goodness, there's so many photographers out there. How can I ever stand out? And so a few of the ways I like to stand out, uh, one is my involvement with PPA, and this is not like a plug for them, but it is a way to better yourself. And that's through competition and training your eye, continuing that education. And whenever I am getting an award or, um, or taking part in a print competition or teaching, that shows that I'm a different level expert in my field. Mm -hmm. So whatever ways that you can show we're different than the masses, really putting that out there, really highlighting it is easier because someone's not going to have to discern what is the difference between this photographer and that photographer. Oh, they photograph pretty girls. Oh, they photograph pretty girls. But what are the differences there? Uh, and really kidding your clients about that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, so Jessica, um, early in my career, I met someone, I don't, I don't know why I went to his studio. I don't know if he was going to, maybe I was going to insist him or something. And he had a, a ribbon. Mm -hmm that I don't know if it said merit or best in show or something on a photograph of a woman and a horse. And I instantly thought that this was like the best photographer in San Diego because he'd won an award. Over time, of course, right. I learned that he'd won an award at one of the local uh, PPA chapters on a particular night. And, but that my perception of him from seeing that image and in his advertisement, it says award-winning photographer. Uh, mm -hmm. It's true and that he is. He just isn't a PPA master, you know, has gotten his diamond pins for everything going loan or platinum or whatever that is. But as a potential consumer, 
those things do enhance our, as you said, the perception of us as different than the, the average bear. Okay, what right. was the other thing? And then I think lastly, um, making sure they create relationships with every single client. Uh, 100%, I want to make sure that each client that comes to talk about all the time, I don't want there to be any missteps. I don't want there to be missteps in any communication. I don't want there to be missteps in any um, unmet expectation. I don't want there to be missteps in someone not understanding the process. I want every step along the way to be as perfect as possible. And I'm dedicated to making that process the best experience that a client could possibly have. And especially during these times of COVID, our client so incredibly grateful for what we have been providing these seniors that have lost so much of their senior experience. And so we really try and make sure that everything is perfect for them. And in turn, the result is that we have these amazing advocates that are out there for us. And even when we express gratitude to them, we say, oh my gosh, thank you so much for coming back again, right? With the second kid or third kid or the cousin or whatever, mm-hmm. you will say, well, of course we come back to you. I typically will respond with, but you don't have to. And the fact that you've chosen to means so very much to us. So thank you so very much. Mm-hmm. And not missing an opportunity to express that gratitude and that realization that that can go so far, just saying, I'm really grateful for you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yes. And thank you. Go a long way yes. in someone feeling really seen and heard and appreciated, right? It's different right. than the big box or most experiences you have um, in retail stores or otherwise. So creating a connection and that gratitude, expressing that gratitude to them, I think has really served us well, um, especially this year, but you know, always along the way. Yes. Yeah. I think. One of the common, um, and I will admit, I wasn't always the best at this in the in my portrait business, but sending thank you cards and thank you gifts, right, routinely as a part of the workflow, it goes a long, long way. And truthfully, most photographers don't, so that puts us so ahead of the game. If True. if we do that, and it can be automated in such a way that like when I was, um, you know, pre pre coaching, super busy, I had an assistant that when I got a new client, she would fill out the thank you cards and put them in their folder, other than what I was going to write, and my signature. So I just had to write it, put a stamp on it, put it on the mail after they came in for the consultation after they ordered, and then the, I sent a nice little physical gift in a box to clients that ordered well, and those were already addressed and stuffed and tissued and everything. So it just kept that, you know, figuring out systems for everything keeps everything rolling along is the moral of that story. (laughs) Okay. Even the simplicity of writing something really nice on Facebook, if you post their image or on Instagram and writing personalized, people will come in and go, Oh, that was so nice. What you wrote about my child. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. meant absolutely. I totally meant it. And so it can sometimes be as simple as just saying a kind thing about someone that people really appreciate. And 
clients will come in and say, I love how you always read something personal about each person. And mm. we really try, try and do that, you know? Nice. Yes. And I'm sure like I just last night had the uh, ordering session with the last senior in a family of six where I've been wow. photographing them since the oldest was seven for her first communion. And we were talking about, okay, his was at the Japanese garden. He's really into Asian culture. Uh, one gal loves Alice in Wonderland. And so we, we picked a location and it had different size doors. So I did things where it could, I made her look big and small and uh, and I even at one point she was looking at a duck and I changed it to be the white rabbit <laughs> <laughs> and one wore the silver tutu with silver boots out in uh, fall uh, colors and leaves one of them is really big in Cinderella and we just happened to find a location where cherry blossoms were in bloom and let's see and what were the others um and then one of them, he loves his dog. And so we found a great natural place where he could walk with his dog and sit by a stream. And the other one, uh, if I think too hard, I'll never remember it, but it. But how cool that this client has come back to you all these years. That's so yes, wonderful. And a wedding in Hawaii. And I did not do the one in Switzerland because uh, I just was. Uh, mom was willing to pay me for that travel. But when I told her the price, dad and the bride were just like, yeah. So I found them a photographer that would set, give me the images and I created their books and stuff. So yes, the, so the, I guess that's my word for today. The moral of that story <laughs> is when we create those relationships and the arc of your career, it is just so lovely that those people mm -hmm. that that you've created the relationships with, as you've mentioned, and come back to you, you get to watch their lives change and grow. And the last one of these kids is getting married locally. And we talked about, okay, now she's got five son and daughter-in-laws. So it's time for another family portrait. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Two, two grandkids. And yeah, it's uh, like, when we first get into this business, we don't think about what it might be like 20, 30, 40 years from now and the satisfaction of when we, you know, your tip number five, create relationships and continue and stay in touch. How yes. wonderful that is that you're just working for friends. Like It's true. I, Absolutely. I don't even yeah. take a deposit from her because, you know, I know that right. as soon as I tell her the money I want, she just writes me a check, you know, it's just. Yeah, that kind of trust is such a wonderful thing. And it, it's interesting how people will say years later, you know, I've, I have kids that I photographed when they were little and then now they're, you know, high school seniors. And so they'll say, oh, you know, my portraits in my home that you've made just make me so happy every time. And what a gift of a life that you can provide something that on the daily can make someone smile. Mm -hmm. That's pretty amazing. Yes. Um, so I used to think, that I wasn't a quote unquote real photographer because I wasn't doing magazine or, you know, commercials, models, things like that. And then I had a lovely conversation with a woman that started out doing portraits and she did a commercial shoot and it went well. 
And so people referred her and 20 years passed where then she was a commercial photographer almost by accident. And she said she felt hmm. like she wasted her, her 20 years because all of her work is in landfills. Whereas all of mm. my work is and yours are treasured heirlooms and not to discount for people that, you know, love commercial photography and want to do that. But for me personally, because of my values and what I'm hearing from you, your values is I love creating something that has the potential to be, uh, to change how people feel about themselves. Um, comfort moms, when those babies grow up, those kids go off to college and become those right. treasured heirlooms for people you'll they'll never meet you know great 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 grandchildren and and uh for me nephews and nieces and great 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 nephews and nieces so yeah so I guess that's why I love I love this aspect of business and I I realized at that point no I haven't I am a real photographer. I don't know why. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like there's so no, much. No, I do. I do. And I think so many people create these glamorous images. I'm like, are there even real people? Like, and so I, I'm okay with photographing real life, real people, real circumstances, real bodies. I, I love that part of it because that is slice my community. And, um, it's really, I don't take it lightly. I take it very seriously yes. when each and every single person walks through the door and trusts us with this time in their life, right? Because they do have lots of other choices and a much lesser point or, and, you know, quite frankly, I do believe in what I provide to our clients, my name on it. Um, and I value each and every piece that goes out of here. And I have a very high standard of the quality that we, you know, print uh, uh, the imagery we print on. So, yeah. Yeah. So I have two quick questions because the clock on the wall says that's all. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, um, I hope my listeners, cause I know we've had a little bit of the, the zoom internet glitch here and there. So I hope that all the goodness that Jessica has been sharing. I mean, I don't know what I can do other than uh, right. we're doing the best we can. And there's so much good stuff. I didn't right. want to reschedule and hope that we had whatever happens in Wi-Fi land a little different. So, okay. If there's an area of confusion or something that I covered that maybe glitched up or just didn't quite resonate with you or make sense, please feel free to reach to me. I'm happy to clarify or answer any questions about anything that we covered. Um, so happy to do that. So that leads me to um my I have two questions for you so the first one is how to get in touch with you and I know that you have a Facebook group and also on your website there's an area for photographers so what's the best way to connect with you sure so shooting straight with Jessica Robertson is my Facebook group and it's a great place to share and ask questions, leave something funny. Uh, and then my website, jessicarobertson.com. And Jessica Robert Photo is we're at on Instagram. So all the things, as they say. <laughs> yes, yeah, all the things. All the things. <laughs> and I noticed that you had uh, some online courses that looked pretty tempting 
for what I think is a very reasonable investment. So you might check those out uh, under photographers on her website. Okay, so the, the final question and reminder to my guests, I mean, my listeners to stay tuned for my wrap up. Final question, is there some something either you haven't shared or some parting something that you want us to take away? Like what's your last word on, on this? It's hmm. a heavy question, isn't it? Yes. Well, not the last um, one I just... ever in the history of life. So <laughs> I'll take right. Away. Speak now or forever hold your peace, right? Here we go. <laughs> um, well, I, I think that if I were to give a bit of advice to myself starting out, um, and I think that that's, um, you know, with gratitude of being in business since 2000, uh, or in this, you know, being a photographer since 2000, I would say that I wish I valued the art that I was creating earlier, just in terms of the price that I was um, putting products at, but also that I was sitting in a place of knowing the memories that I was creating would be valued for a really long time. And while I look back at the things I did so long ago and can pick it apart, um, in the competition world, I know that that memory is something that will be cherished forever. So wherever you are is where you are. And if it's not where you want to be, I encourage you to set goals to get where you want to be. And those steps along the way can be achievable. Um, and I never thought that I would have the, um, length of a career that I feel so grateful to have had. And I can't wait to continue hopefully for a very long time. Yeah. And so I just encourage each of you to dig into what you're doing. If you're happy with what you're doing, great. If you feel like there's areas where you can improve, make those steps for improvement. And I think that that's true. If you're in business one year, 10 years, 20 years, it. Um, it doesn't matter, but constant self-evaluation is really critical. Perfect. Thank you so much. And I'm sure. Okay. Well, well, I'll, let's give Jessica a standing ovation, shall we? Yay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're so kind. Thank, Thank you. Thanks. This is super fun. Yes, I totally agree. <laughs> I really love talking <laughs> to you, Jess. Thanks so much. Oh my gosh. Thank you. So before I do the quick wrap up, I just want to remind you that I'm absolutely available here for you. If you need some coaching or you just want to schedule a quick 20 minute call to just chat about something. I am here and you can email me lucy at lucydumas.com or through the website Lucy Dumas Coaching. You can do contact, you know, fill out the contact, or you can just jump in on Facebook, friend me, Lucy Dumas, Lucy with an I. And I'm always uh, looking for those Facebook messages. I think they're called DMs, but I call them messages. Anywho. Okay. Quick wrap up. Let's see if I can possibly do that. Do, 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 do. Okay. We talked about her, why she loves photographing seniors and how interacting with them, uh, first of all, is easier and more fun for her than like kids and groups. So over time, she just began to realize that that was where her heart is and that she's great at it. And also because it's such a challenging time in life, being able to contribute the gift of 
even a little more self-esteem, especially for people who maybe aren't traditional classic beauties and they don't see their own beauty. She loves, and I love that too with seniors, she loves contributing to that. So we talked about some business tips and number one was looking at what you're doing well and what you can improve on and look at how two you can improve your photography. Three, if you have frustrations in your sales process, analyze what you can do differently or what you can add. Like uh, she, she shared how the sports photographs usually didn't get used. So she created a special product. Um, the fourth, she talked about kind of going along with that, how you can create products that match what you're offering, like a beautiful hand-torn watercolor uh, for prom dress portraits, fitting our products to the audience we serve, setting goals. So her goal is $5,000 sales that include an art piece, a wall grouping, and an album, and ways to incentivize people to purchase all of that, uh, including an incentive might be you get all the digitals at a certain price point. Another point was being willing to change. So just because we are doing something this way doesn't mean we can't look for ways to improve it. And then she and I talked about framing and how for both of us, we like to sell the frames later for a variety of reasons. Uh, one being the ordering process that they'll probably order more if we don't include the frames initially. And also she shared about ways that she helps people pick the frames that go with their art. And so that was awesome. And then got into specifically some success with seniors. So she talked about number one, the ambassador program. And if you're going to do that, figuring out ways that it actually is going to bring you work. And she does a, like a friend ambassador, ambassador friends party or something. Um, I'd love to ask her more about that another time, or you can, you can ask yourself <laughs> um, that she calls it senior group sessions. And this can build your senior client base as well. She talked about giving back to your community so that you're perceived as someone that people would want to work with because they appreciate who you are and what you do for others. She also talked about creating a perception of you as the expert and how getting involved with print competitions, uh, the PPA uh, community is great for that. There's also local, uh, you know, there might be other local groups and things uh, where you can be a standout. Uh, for me, entering work in our, our county fair actually has gotten me some notoriety as an expert by being on display and winning some awards and sharing that I won those awards. <laughs> and something that's dear to my heart is the importance of creating a real relationship with each client, making sure we give them a great experience, that we communicate well, and that we can build, you know, lifelong loyal clients. And then the advice she would have given herself 
is to understand the value of what she's doing, even if it's not as perfect as what she's doing now. Um, you know, there's always room to improve, but to know that we're creating something that's highly precious to people and that we can price ourselves accordingly uh, and not think that, oh, I can't charge well because maybe I'm not as, as perfect as I'd like to be. So that is it for now. Have a great whatever week or weekend, whenever you're listening to this, summer, winter, spring, fall, <laughs> good sleep, whatever it is. <laughs> and I will uh, catch you next time. Bye. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.